Welcome to 153 Great Podcasts, a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Let's pray. Jesus, be part of our podcast today. Lord, I pray, anoint our minds for your word. In this episode, I want to talk about the epistle of 1 John. We think that 1 John was written by the man who wrote John. It probably was John, as tradition tells us. However, one of the things we want to recognize is that each of these epistles has a theme. The theme of 1 John seems to be this. Number one, sin. Number two, love. He that hates his brother cannot be in Christ. And love, as defined by the Bible, is first agape love. And second is phylos love. Agape love says this. I will obey what Jesus asked me to do, both his word and his spirit. Philos love is human love, a weaker form of love that can easily turn to hate. When God commands us to love our brothers, we do it out of principle, out of obedience, not because we feel like it. Feelings will come and go, they'll be up and down. But agape love is the principle of obedience. The next theme found in the the epistle of 1 John seems to be the Son of God, the idea that Jesus was completely human in every way. And of course, we know that the Bible tells us that he surrendered all of his rights to be divine. Every miracle Jesus did, he did as a man, including multiplying the loaves and fishes, walking on water, raising people from the dead, healing. Jesus operated the word of faith and all the other gifts of the Spirit to accomplish his mission on earth. So what makes Jesus divine? Not being the Son of God, which is a term of paternity. Jesus was in every way the Son of God, just as Adam was the Son of God. That does not make Jesus divine. Son of God simply means he had a mother and a father. <laughs> he had 46 chromosomes, like all of us. Adam, of course, was manufactured with 46 chromosomes, but Jesus is the only begotten son. Many people want to make Jesus into an eternal son using Greek philosophy, but this is not a truth. This is philosophy. Jesus is not an eternal son, a second person of a trinity. He is in fact the son, the child of the father and Mary, the mother. So son of God seems to be a theme in the epistle of first John. Next is the idea that he is Christ. Now we know that the initial term Christ is applied to Cyrus, the Persian Medo-Persian king. So Christ is a term that is applied to a human being. In every way, Jesus is human, and the epistle of 1 John wants us to understand that. The next theme that John wants us to understand is that Jesus is both father and son. If we don't believe that Jesus is father and son, then we are anti-Christ. We don't have the Father if we don't believe he's the Son, human. We don't have the Son if we don't believe he's the Father. We must believe, and this is a revelation from the Spirit, that Jesus is Father and Son. If you read the book of John, John chapter 13 through 17, Jesus is frustrated because his disciples do not understand who he is. They said to him, show us the Father, Philip said. Jesus was frustrated and said, have I been with you so long and yet you have not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. Isaiah tells us that he's the, he's the mighty God and the eternal everlasting Father in Isaiah 9.6.
but also that he's the Prince of Peace, the Holy Child that will be born to be the Savior of the world. We must believe, we must, we must have it revealed to us that Jesus is Father and Son. And then finally, the Antichrist is the last theme I want to talk about. Antichrist will come. And of course, when Antichrist is revealed as the abomination that's in the temple, the church of the living God, Antichrist will, will think to change times and laws and will deny that Jesus is Father and Son. Now you can find out who this person is by simply looking at his horns. He has two horns, political and spiritual. Okay, So he'll deny that Jesus is Father and Son, and of course his headquarters appear to be Rome. And uh, whoever denies that Jesus is the Christ, okay, is Antichrist. Whoever denies that Jesus is the Father is Antichrist. Let's adopt that language today. He's Father and Son. This is the mystery of godliness, 1 Timothy 3.16. The last issue at the end of this uh, message is this. What makes Jesus divine, fully God? What makes him the fullness of the Father? The answer is, he's the Word made flesh. The Word is never separate from the Spirit. It's just simply one side of the coin, the Holy Ghost, the Father, the Spirit. These agree in one, 1 John 5, 7. That's why the Bible talks about there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Spirit. These three are one, one and the same. In other words, there are different sides of the coin. When God speaks, okay, that's the Word, and you can hear it. When God moves with his power, that's the Holy Ghost. That's the Spirit. It's two different sides. Jesus said, my words are spirit. So what makes Jesus divine? The Father was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ, the <clears throat> New Testament says. Now God, as defined in the New Testament, always means the Father. Let me prove it to you. 1 Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Okay, if you define God as a trinity, that means the three were manifest in the flesh. Now we have four. Now that makes no sense, does it? So whenever we see the word God in the New Testament, we should always think Father. There's only one definition of God, that's Father. The Father was in Christ. The fullness of God, the full word, every word of God was in Christ. The word was made flesh. This is what makes Jesus divine. Father. But his flesh, which we can understand and describe, is he's Christ, he's the Son of God. If you go to John 20, 31, that's the reason he wrote the epistle. Last but not least is the name of Jesus. If we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, we can build the church on the rock. Deuteronomy 32 says that the rock is his name. So we can confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Christ, Son of God, then we get to call on his name in the waters of baptism. That's why all healings are done in Jesus' name. Sin is forgiven in Jesus' name when we get baptized in Jesus' name. I've noticed that when I would baptize people in Jesus' name, healings would occur in mass quantities. <laughs> I could tell you story after story. The idea in the epistle of 1 John is that the name of Jesus is so important after we believe he is Christ, Son of God. Now we can describe Christ and Son of God, which I did. Human paternity and the anointed King, King of Kings. However, 
knowing that Jesus is Father and Son, that's the great mystery. There is no explanation for that. That's the mystery of godliness. However, if we believe he's the Christ, the Son of God, we get to call on his name, as Peter told us to do in Acts 2.38, the only plan of salvation found in the New Testament, confirmed again by Peter, Philip, and Paul, Acts 19.5 and 6. Have you been baptized in Jesus' name? Have you called on his name? If you believe he's Christ and the Son of God, what prevents you from calling on his name from being baptized? As the eunuch said to Philip. Now the evangelicals understand that this is a truth, so they removed Acts 8.37 from the NIV and the NLT Bibles. Why? Because they understood that the eunuch believed in his heart and confessed with his mouth that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Well, that's all I have for today. I pray that these uh, podcasts will help you during your drive time or in your listening uh, opportunity. And please subscribe. Uh, we really want to want to build our subscriber list. And also, if you can contribute, it will help us to continue pr to produce these podcasts. God bless you in Jesus' name. You've been listening to 153greatpodcast.com a ministry of 153greatfish.com. Please subscribe, and better yet, help us by contributing. God bless you.